0: So, we are in a a 10 week series entitled Eagerly Desired. Uh, And if you've been with us, um, I trust that it's been beneficial and that you're growing in the things of the Spirit. If you're just joining us and catching up, uh, we are speaking about uh, the spiritual gifts. And uh, we're responding to the encouragement that Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians 14, where he says, Pursue the way of love and eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. And my piece this morning um, is entitled God is Really Among You. God is Really Among You. And it's a statement that we read in 1 Corinthians 14, 24. Uh, Let's actually read the scripture. It's one of those crazy, awesome pieces of scripture. It says, But if an unbeliever or an inquirer, comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and brought under judgment by all. And the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. We're going to circle back uh, to the scripture a little later, but I just want to declare that this happened, this is happening, and this is going to happen even in our midst because this is the Word of God, and the Word of Truth. But I want to start uh, with a testimony from my daughter, Olivia. Uh, Last month, um, Olivia and Ryan attended a summer camp at Moody Bible Church. Uh, It's called Moody Vacation Bible School, VBS. And uh, it's really amazing. I know there's some of you uh, that send your kids. And uh, it's a free service that Moody Church offers to the kids of the city. And there's about 600 kids and over 100 volunteers. Did I mention that it's free? <laughs> it's one of the few things that you can do with your kids in the city over the summer that's free. And so on the Monday morning before it started, Olivia was really excited. And uh, she got up early and was praying, um, independence of us, praying and spending time with God in her room. And she came down to Courtney. That morning, and said, God gave her a picture of an African American girl that would be attending VBS uh, for the first time. It was going to be Olivia's fourth time. And she said, God showed her that this girl would be feeling nervous and unsure, and God showed her that she would have the opportunity to reach out to her, to encourage her, and to befriend her. And so Olivia arrived at VBS, and sure enough, she saw the girl just as God had showed her, and this girl was assigned to Olivia's group, and Olivia got to reach out and love on her, and this girl was literally stuck to Olivia all week. Isn't that amazing? What struck me too is Olivia is seven years old, and God not only gives her a prophetic picture, but he also gives her the outworking of the the prophetic, so that she can do that with honor. She didn't make a big fuss and embarrass this girl, but she was able to just be natural, to love on her naturally. Um, And Olivia is actually here in service today, so we can check with her and make sure her dad's telling the story accurately. Am I right, babe? (laughs) That's good. I actually circled back with her and I said, Liv, how did you know that this girl that you saw was the girl that God showed you? And she said, Dad, she was African-American, She was assigned to my group, and it was the first time, her first time at VBS. It was obvious, Dad. (laughs) I just love how simple it is for children uh, to see God, to hear what He is doing, and to act on it. And we haven't trained Olivia in the prophetic or even in the spiritual gifts, but we are a part of a prophetic community. We're an apostolic, prophetic people in this church. And what that means in simple terms is we're apostolic, which means we're sent on mission. Uh, We're going. We're not sitting around waiting for people to come to our temple, but we're taking the game to them. And we're prophetic. By now, we all know what it means to be prophetic. Uh, We get to see the future and prepare for it, even if it's just a little glimpse at a time. And we get to declare God's preferred future over each other. And with that, we get to grow up to become our best for God. I think Terry Kruger said, uh, You create culture by what you celebrate. I love that. You create culture by what you celebrate. So if I want to create a culture of good manners in my home with my family, which I do, it's one of the the non negotiables that we have in our house. then I'm going to celebrate when I see good behavior, I'm going to turn up the music when I see signs of that, and I'm going to push the pause button when I don't. So if Ryan says to me, Dad, can I please have some OJ? I'm going to respond enthusiastically and say, of course you can have some OJ, buddy. Thanks for asking so politely. But if my kid starts to order me around, then I'm going to stop them and say, excuse me, can you try asking that again? Um, So, we want to celebrate the cultures um, that we want to see in our family, and we will do this until it's an ingrained pattern of behavior, culture. And to be honest, right now, the manners thing isn't going that well in our house, but uh, check back with me in 60 months, and I'll tell you who's winning. (laughs) The same is true for the spiritual cultures we have in our church. The prophetic culture is growing as we celebrate what God is doing through it and as we pursue it with love. So, we are speaking about eagerly desiring the spiritual gifts. This phrase, eagerly desiring, or eagerly eagerly desiring, can also be stated as passionately pursuing. Passionately pursuing the spiritual gifts. So, it's like it's like an inner burning for something that I really want. It's, it's way beyond just mental agreement, like a casual agreement to a concept. And in my study of the subject, I've been challenged. Am I passionately pursuing the spiritual gifts more than other desires that I have in my life? And I uh, have to be honest, sometimes being a husband, being a dad with the pressures Of business and the responsibilities of life, my my hunger for God gets nullified. And speaking with Alberto last week, uh, we both agreed there's a difference between striving and hungering after God. We don't have to strive for God because Jesus has done it all. Jesus has made a way. Uh, He has called us into his kingdom and made a way for us to come. And he's given us everything we need for life and for godliness. But it's important for me to maintain and stir up a hunger and a thirst for more of God. So we are speaking about the prophetic and the spiritual gifts. And it is safe to say that the spiritual gifts have been a part of this house uh, from inception. The last 13 years. It's part of our spiritual DNA as a church. But I'm excited Uh, just to have seen the growth that's happened uh, during this series, Uh, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So when a truth is emphasized, and we've heard many amazing testimonies, our faith rises, and uh, many many of us are walking in things and experiencing things that we've never experienced before. But I just want to say this morning, there is more. There's more for us to, to live in and grow in. And as we continue uh, to grow in the spiritual gifts, we've, we've spoken about the importance of staying connected to the gift giver, staying centered on Jesus and keeping the main thing the main thing, living with a big why in our lives. Why more spiritual gifts? Why grow? Why the emphasis on the Holy Spirit? And the answer is to know Jesus. And the more we know Him, the more we want to know more of him. And in knowing him, to make him known. To make him known to others. That we would take others with us in this journey. Uh, and that we would lead people to a knowledge of God through Jesus. And that we would bring the kingdom in every area of our, of our lives where we have authority and influence. This goal, although it sounds simple, is impossible unless we, we are connected to the source unless we're grafted in to the vine unless the holy spirit is moving through us as one one's connected to the source apart from him we can do nothing i think jesus states it best in matthew 6:33 when he says and most of us know the scripture but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness And all these things will be given to you as well. In all we do and say and move in, this is just a great litmus test. Am I seeking first his kingdom? And his kingdom is his presence. Our King Jesus has a reign and a rule over his kingdom. And so his kingdom is his presence. And we get to live in that place of his presence. And his righteousness, which is my identity, what Jesus accomplished for us was right standing with God. That's our God-given identity. The righteousness of Christ has been bestowed um, upon us. And I've been made righteous forever. But I need to keep coming back to my God-given identity. As an eldership team, in this series and in everything uh, we do, uh, there's, there's uh, two things that we really want to see happen in the life of this church. There's, and I want to just uh, speak about those two things. Um, this is not the sum of everything, uh, but they're just two things I feel to, to emphasize and remind us of. And the first is a church that is living in the fullness of Christ. This is Ephesians 4, uh, where Paul speaks about unity and maturity in the church. And we won't turn there, but... Paul references Psalm 68, and he says he, um, the psalmist was prophesying, he said, he who is Jesus, um, when he ascended, took many captives, and he gave gifts to his people. And he describes the fivefold ministry gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, and the purpose of these ministry gifts, gifts being, and i want to speak out of, I want to read this out of Ephesians 4, to equip his people for works of service so that the whole body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So a church that's living in the fullness of Christ. And then secondly, a church that is alive. This is a church that is activated where the majority is leading the minority. A church that is alive with faith, alive with possibility, alive with the love and grace of God flowing through her all the time. Every part playing its role. Paul gives us this analogy in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, where he says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ." For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. We are seeing this kind of church arise in America right now. God is raising up an end time church in our nation. It's made up of people that are alive, that are activated, and the church is becoming a unified force for love on the earth. It's a purpose-driven and a spirit-led church, and nothing can hold this church back. Jesus said that he is building his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against her, where Jesus is the head and we are the body. It's an apostolic and prophetic church, a church that is sent and going out, a church that is powerful, and a church that is full of, of participants and not spectators, We have such a strong fan culture in America, in our nation, where the majority prefer to sit on the grandstand while the paid professional puts on a show. To be honest, I prefer to be on the field, in a team, playing my part. But my glory days of team sports are long gone. Next year I turn 40, so the the older I get, the better I was. But the truth is, the glory days are still ahead because when it comes to the kingdom, there's no age restrictions. You're not too young, you're not too old. Every one of us has a part to play and all we need to do is to step into that. Okay, let's turn to Acts 3. We're going to be reading from the first verse and this is going to be our main text. I know this is a scripture that we know well. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is such a rich scripture, and there's so much in here for us. To put this uh, passage into context, it's helpful to look at the chapter before and the chapter after, and you'll remember in Acts 1, that's when Jesus comes, and for a period of 40 days after his resurrection, he appears to over 500 people, and he gives many convincing proofs that he was raised from the dead, and uh, spending time with his disciples, and he tells his disciples. Uh, to wait for the promised gift of God. And he says to them, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the outermost parts of the earth, into our neighborhoods, into the city, into the nation, and into the nations of the world. And then in chapter 2, we read about the account of Pentecost, when all the, all the disciples were gathered And they had been praying and interceding for 10 days. This was a people hungry for God. When a sound like violent wind swept in and a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. And they were inspired by the Spirit to speak in languages that they had never heard before. And Steve taught so well last week on this. If you didn't catch that, I, I recommend listening to the podcast and because J- Jerusalem was filled uh, with many immigrants, um, there were people there who heard languages in their native tongues. And they heard uh, these people inspired by the Holy Spirit speaking of the wonders of God. What an amazing time in history. And Peter steps out and uses this as an opportunity to preach the gospel, to share the good news of the kingdom. And 3,000 respond to the good news of the gospel and they repent and get baptized. And there's this uh, beautiful description at the end of chapter 2 of the unity and community that the early church enjoyed. Um, And it's out of this place uh, that we read chapter 3. So it's out of this place that Peter and John go. I love this testimony of healing. And with my title being God is really among you, I just felt God highlight one thing uh, that I want to pull out for us this morning. And it's a statement that Peter makes when he says to the lame beggar, Look at us. He says, Look at us. And and I want to say this main point that the Holy Spirit highlights the love of God, but our sin hides the love of God. The Holy Spirit highlights, but our shame or our unbelief hides. It's interesting because it says the lame beggar saw Peter and John, but still Peter realizes that he needs to summon the man's attention. It's like the lame man could see people coming in and coming in, but he wasn't looking for what Peter and John had. Matt Phillips spoke a few weeks ago and he said, We have to be looking uh, for the Holy Spirit. And I want to add to that and say, We also need to know what we carry. What we have. Because what we carry is powerful and it makes us look different to the world. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And the world is desperate to get what we have because God created us in such a way that only He can satisfy us. So we have to look for the Holy Spirit, but we also need to know what we carry. And as born again believers, we seem to know that the Holy Spirit is inside of us, that we got that at salvation. And the amazing promise that accompanies that reality is that it will never, the Holy Spirit will never be taken from us. But the sad reality is, not every believer carries the Holy Spirit on them. There's a difference between the Holy Spirit being in me and me hosting the Holy Spirit. And we see that with Jesus when John saw. The Holy Spirit descend upon him like a dove, and Jesus was able to carry the undisrupted presence of the Holy Spirit with, with him. Bill Johnson says, uh, The Holy Spirit is in me for me, but it's upon me for you. When the Holy Spirit rests on a person without withdrawing, it's because he's made him welcome in the most honorable way. So we do have a part to play in hosting uh, the Holy Spirit Peter knew what he had. He knew what Jesus had said, what he had promised, and what he had received. I want to pause on that uh, thought for a moment. And I want to say this I think uh, one of the problems that we have today is that we're not committed to letting our theology determine our destiny, we're not committed to letting the word of truth determine our reality. We're too quick to let our circumstances determine our condition. Our circumstances determine our disposition. So a few things start to go wrong in my life. A couple of bad things affect me. A couple of bad things are happening in the world around me. And all of a sudden, I've become a curmudgeon. I'm a grumpy, complaining, criticizing grump. And not only that, it's not my fault, of course, It's not my fault, it's their fault, it's not my fault. And before I know it, I've given up my true identity, that royal identity as the son of the king. And I look and sound like everyone else that's complaining around me. And just like that, I've lost my witness. My sin is hiding the love of God. I haven't lost my salvation. My relationship with God cannot be broken. I cannot be separated from him, but my fellowship with the Holy Spirit and with God can be disrupted. It happened to Peter when he denied Jesus. He gave up that fellowship, that desire to seek more of him. And the enemy pounces and he lies to us because he's been doing that from the beginning. And he says, you see, you're not different. You're just like them. And the people around us see opportunity to say, look, he's just like us. Finally, he's come around to our thinking. (laughs) Jesus died to restore me, to reconcile me back to the Father, to bring me back to the image of God. And that image is love. The gifts of the Spirit are free, but they're not cheap. They were given at the highest cost to the father in the gift of his son. That is why they need to pers- be pursued along the path of love. It's easy to forget where we live. Forgetting that we live in the kingdom of God. The Bible says, I live in the kingdom of the son that he loves. What does that mean for my life? Jesus rescued me out of the kingdom of darkness and brought me into the kingdom of light. Sometimes it's just stupid stuff. It can even be good stuff that takes me away from the one, the one who gave, gave it all for me. Why would I let something matter more that doesn't matter most? Peter says, look at us, because for Peter, the main thing was the main thing. Silver and gold were not the main thing, but the love of God was the main thing. Do we know that we are different? I know this is challenging. It challenges me every day. The world desperately needs what we have. Because unless we know what we have, how can we give that away? The crippled man had some real practical needs. But Peter knew what he really needed that he really needed to be reunited with God. And Peter, knowing what he had in the Holy Spirit, Had courage to release a miracle, to see a man healed, and to bring many other thousands of others to a saving knowledge of God. It's just amazing. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You can just imagine those words ringing in Peter's heart from hearing them from his risen king. And just a side note about Peter Peter was an unschooled, ordinary fisherman. And I can relate to many of Peter's weaknesses. He lashed out in a, in a violent fit of rage to cut off a man's ear after he'd, he'd spent so much time with Jesus. He was quick to self-elect and self-promote, and he, st- he struggled with selfish ambition. And he denied Jesus three times and even lied to a servant lady And even though he was quick to jump out of the boats, he was also also fast to shrink back in unbelief. So Peter wasn't the perfect vessel for the Holy Spirit, but when Jesus restored Peter on the beach, he responded in faith and in love, and he allowed the Holy Spirit to overwhelm him. And in the following chapter, we read about the boldness of Peter. And how he leveraged leveraged the miraculous to point to God. Not to get recognition for himself, but to lead another 2,000 people to God. And if we read on in chapter 3, it says all the people were astonished and came running to him. And Peter sees this and he says, why do you stare at us? As though by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk. And he uses uh, his platform to point to Jesus again. Without the Holy Spirit in us and upon us and flowing through us, we're either separated from our, uh, from our fellowship with him because of our sin or unbelief, or we've never stepped into the light to begin with. Jesus says in Matthew 6:22, and be up behind me, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is your darkness? I've thought about the scripture a lot. Like, how can the light that's, that's in me be darkness? I mean, we know that light dominates darkness every time. But you can turn light way down. You can turn uh, the dimmer way down to the lowest setting so that it's just a flicker. There is light in the room, but it's mostly dark. Jesus is saying, if we choose to take our eyes off of him and we focus on evil and all the stuff that distracts us, our our witness gets nullified by what is evil. And what a great shame it is to waste this precious life, light, that is within us. On the other hand, if we have our eyes fixed on Jesus, a singular focus, no double-mindedness, no duplicity, then our whole body is full with light. And it's really that simple. What are we fixing our eyes on? The Holy Spirit highlights the love of God, but our sin hides the love of God. Remember Adam and Eve in the garden. God put them in this most incredible place. And God was really among them. The Bible says that he created them in his image. And that image is love. And he created them for relationship with himself. And he placed them in this amazing garden. Rich in resources. A river flowing through it. Trees and fruits and food. And they were given authority to reign and rule and he commissioned them to subdue the earth and to multiply this beauty of God across the earth a small garden that was set to explode into a city of life that would expand and grow in communion and partnership with God a small garden that would cover the earth with the life and goodness of God but we know what happened man chose self instead of God he chose to belie- to believe a lie instead of believing the one who created him and loved him perfectly, he gave up the image of love to take on the image of God's enemy. And he gave up his identity and took on the identity of the rebel himself. And sin came in to separate created man from his creator. And the root word of that word sin is this word diablos, which means to separate. And so man was cut off from love, and from the God that created him. And ever since then, man has been trying desperately to be loved instead of becoming love itself. And there's a void that's in our hearts until we come back to the image of God. And what happened in that moment, at the fall of man, Adam and Eve realized they were naked, and they immediately recognized their shame. And what did they do? They hid from God. Those of you who have kids here, you will know that moment when your two-year-old goes silent for a prolonged period of time. And so, so you go looking for them, and what do you find? There's poop on the floor, there's poop on the wall, the poop is s- smeared everywhere. And this is your two-year-old. They know that they've messed up, and they're sheepishly hiding from you. In Genesis, we read about how God was walking in the cool of the day, and Adam and Eve were hiding from him. And it says, God called out to Adam and said, where are you? And ever since then, the voice of the Lord has been calling out to his people, saying, where are you, my son? Where are you, my daughter? Calling us out of the shadows and into his light, because the heart of God is that none would perish, but all would come to a saving knowledge of him. And so our sin hides us, but the Holy Spirit highlights us. When we said yes to Jesus, we came out of darkness into light, into right standing with God, into righteousness. Sin is no longer my identity. My identity is the image of God. My identity is love. His Holy Spirit came in at salvation. The same Holy Holy Spirit that baptized Peter in chapter 2, and is upon him in chapter 3, is available to me. And the Bible says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us. So I want to, before I um, hand back to Steve to close, um, just as we're talking about the prophetic and moving in these things and just building this culture of celebration, I want to release a couple of words. But before I do that too, I just want to circle back to that opening passage, because I feel like that scripture can be really challenging. And I think as a people, we get caught up with the technical and the semantics of things. But it's actually the kingdom. It's actually heaven come down. It's actually us responding to the way Jesus prayed, where he said, Father in heaven, um, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so just as we gather as a people here on a Sunday— or go out and have small gatherings, our heart should be to usher heaven in, to bring heaven down, that people can come and spend time with with us and say, they can say, I've tasted and seen that your God is good and that God is really among you. So I just had um, Phil and Graciana, you were highlighted to me, and yeah, just uh, so excited uh, to see you guys return and I, I just have been thinking about how beautiful uh, your marriage is and just all that God has done and uh, just everything that led up to your union and just how powerful it is and how powerful your testimony is. And I feel that uh, God is going to use you uh, to strengthen many singles and couples. And I was reminded of, of the rainbow, which has um, such significance in your story. And growing up, we were always told as kids, you know, there's this... Um, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, and for a while we believed that, but it didn't take long to figure that we were never going to get there, and it was kind of like, you know, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a tree of life, um, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life, and I just feel that Jesus is for you both, that longing fulfilled, but your marriage is like fruit in the tree, and tying back to Steve's picture of that tree just being a resource, I just saw people coming coming in and, uh, and just drawing from you, finding refuge, find, finding shade. And it was really Jesus just being imparted, imparted from you. And Graciana, I also felt just, uh, just to commend you for your courage in rising up in faith and leading, leaving your people to come and follow a man. And, and Phil, right, likewise, just your faith in contending. And I just really feel the pleasure of God on you, that he's just so pleased uh, with your faith. And then uh, Luke, I just met you this morning, Um, but I just saw just such a tenderness in you and I just feel that's the tenderness of the Father in you. And I actually saw you driving a school bus full of kids and uh, there's a big difference between a, a school bus that's going to school and a school bus that's going to summer camp. And your bus was going to summer camp and the kids were just going wild. They were having a great time in the bus and they they just had such an awareness that Luke was driving the bus and they were so happy to be on that bus with you as you were leading them. So I just feel like there's something there for the youth, maybe a heart uh, that God has given you for, for children or for, for his youth. So I just encourage you to, to seek that. And then Criola, where are you? Yes, yeah, God just highlighted you and uh, I just wanted to remind you that he sees you And uh, he loves your devotion. And I just felt like as you draw near to him, there's just such a celebration in his heart. He's like, my daughter is here. And I just saw him just pouring out such a richness in your life. And also just commending you for the mother that you are. And how awesome you've been just in raising Hannah. And I just felt like Hannah's a gem. Like such a gifted um, lady, young lady, who's going to grow up to be a powerful woman. And I just want to encourage you just to continue to pour out in her. And then last one, Bex, I just, um, this being your last Sunday, I just saw us as a family just celebrating you and there was just such a pride in our hearts just saying, go girl, like we're just so proud of you, what you've, what you've done and what you're doing and, and you're just such an example to us that are raising ch- children in Chicago public schools and just to say, Courtney and I often say, Or look at Bex, look how well she did. She just stood her ground. And I just feel like you're going to go and God is going to bless you and you're going to be such a blessing into Boston.